The Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 28, Setbacks, Survival, and Success. Five, six, seven, eight. Hello and welcome to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. I am Annette Bone and this is the place where dance inspires life and business. Every other week I bring you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance and they share their stories, their ideas, strategies and tactics to move your life and business forward. Coming up in this session of the Dancepreneuring Studio, Our step to success is a tool that will tell you exactly how you are spending your time on your computer. In our Dancer's Dialect segment, I share a beautiful ballet sequence that is usually done across the floor and is a series of steps done before a bigger series of steps. It's really beautiful to watch and it's taught in all levels of ballet. In our news segment, which I haven't titled yet, it's called Freestyle for Now, I get to share anything and everything that is on my mind, and it doesn't have to be dance-related, although I keep thinking I'm going to be sharing something techie or geeky with you, but that's not the case this time. (laughs) I share why I love Asian food, so... Something fun, something new to introduce in the podcast. And then our feature presentation, I knew I had to record this because it was kind of an uncomfortable subject for me. So when I'm feeling uncomfortable about something, like in my dance classes when I'm uncomfortable, that means usually that's a good thing. So I share some setbacks, survival, and success lessons that I've learned from three different situations that I've had to experience. So anyway, stay tuned and thank you for joining me. What's up? This is Chad Moreau, founder of LiveToDJ.com, artistic director of Breed Dance Company, and you're listening to the Dancepreneuring Studio. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. If you're working on your computer a lot, do you ever sit down and say, okay, I'm going to focus. This is all I'm going to focus on. I'm going to work on XYZ project and I'm not going to do anything else until I get this done. I know we all have those great intentions and I know that we all can get distracted by so many different things just even sitting at our computer. And today's step to success is a tool that I recently got re-reminded of actually. I've heard about this tool, but I never implemented it. And I don't know why, but I think now it's because I'm working off of a MacBook, which I absolutely love. And I've been wanting a MacBook for years and I finally got one. And so 
I will not go back to a PC. Sorry, PC users, but I really, really like my MacBook. <laughs> so anyway, our step to success is a tool called Rescue Time. And you can find a link in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash zero two eight. And Rescue Time is a platform that works in the background of your computer when you're online and it assesses where you spend your time and how long you spend your time on the different things that you're working on. So when you initially set it up, you prioritize what is a distraction and then what is a productive task. And then what it does at the end of the week is you get a report summary of how long and where you spent your time. It's really cool. And you don't have to do anything because it runs in the background. Now, I use this in conjunction with something I've been using for a while, which is called Strict Workflow. It's this cute little tomato icon thing that's on your browser that you can put. I use Chrome quite a bit, so it's on my Chrome browser. And what it does, it it gives me a 25-minute block of time where I'm focused on something. And then it rings, and then a green tomato shows up, and it says it's time for a five-minute break. So that works really well for me. I use another timer as well, which I think I've referenced in a past podcast uh, session. But I find the, which is called um, this process of the 25 minutes on and five minutes off is, is called the Pomodoro technique. And you can look that up as well. And I really like it. It's kind of, I'm not really into the traditional school setting, but once the 25 minutes is up, the cute little bell rings and this cute little red tomato <laughs> shows up. I know it's silly, but it it keeps me on track. And I really, I really like using this tool. So anyway, I would recommend that you try Rescue Time because it is free to start out with and then you can get the premium version that has a little bit more bells and whistles. But try it out and see where you're spending your time. Let's see if you're productive as you think you are. One of my friends uh, said that she is called, she refers to herself as a tab hoarder. And I was like, what's a tab hoarder? And she said that she has, when she has her, uh, her computer up, she has tons and tons and tons of tabs all open like she said 30 or so I'm like 30 oh my goodness the most I've had is like maybe 10 and I think I'm totally distracted then but anyway go ahead and check out rescue time in the show notes and now life and business connect with the dancers dialect the dancers dialect is the dancers language I'm going to share dance terminology across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. I thought it would be appropriate to share this quote that I found because it is applicable to the terminology that I'm going to share in this week's segment of the Dancer's Dialect, as well as our feature presentation. And it is this. If you fall, get back up. That's what life is about. And you know who quoted this or who's credited for quoting this? I know it's very simple. It's very straightforward and anybody can say it. Um, The person that is quoted this is Keith Sweat. Now, if you don't know who Keith Sweat is, he was a very popular R&B artist back in the 90s. And so I thought this is a really good quote because it's straightforward. But I kind of looked at it differently. Uh, Instead of if you fall, I think of when you fall, because it's inevitable that you're going to fall. and that's that's life. You're going to have setbacks and things that happen that you don't expect. And it's all about the recovery process, even when you think that there is no way out or there is no way up. I've fallen many times unintentionally in dance class recently, actually kind of recently. 
it was about a couple months ago, I was in a contemporary class and really enjoying the choreography, the music, and just really immersed into everything about this dance. And I was turning and I fell flat on my face and hit my forehead. And it was a little bit painful. Luckily, I did not have any injuries. And I just started crying. (laughs) I don't know if it was the pain or just that, oh my goodness, I wanted to finish this combination because I loved it so much. Or was I really kind of feeling embarrassed? I don't know. But I've fallen lots of times and I've had to learn to just get up and just continue. And so it's with anything, you just have to get up and continue. And so our word for today or our term for today in the dancer's dialect is tombe potabere. And it's a ballet term. It's one of the first series of steps that I learned when I first started taking ballet many, many years back. And basically what it is, is your tombe means to fall. So you're falling into a step and then you take a series of little steps right after that called pot berets and i'll link a video in the show notes at annettebone.com forward slash zero two eight and you can see what a pot beret is it's a very simple step although if you're just starting out in ballet it's a little awkward i remember feeling a little awkward doing it but it is a pre i guess not prerequisite i wanted to say pre <laughs> prerequisite but it is a series of steps that lead to other steps so you will see like a tombe pot beret in the beginning of a combination across the floor into a grand jeté for example a glissade grand jeté and maybe i'll link that combo in the show, show notes instead instead of just um just the tombe potabere, so you can see the preparation part of it. But this term got me thinking about the whole falling and recovering, even though you're not falling to the ground in this step, but it's a fall into a step, and then you have nowhere really to go except for these other series of steps that are done a little bit higher. And so it got me thinking again about just falling and recovering and and that there's always a progression you don't just stay somewhere it's not stagnant because if you just stayed there then there is you could I guess you could choose to stay where you are but there's always a way out there's always a way up even if you don't see it that and that's the point that I'm trying to make so so as simple and as straightforward as this quote is that I shared from Keith Sweat it's really true and it's something that we all need to remember Oh my goodness, I just got interrupted. Oh, <laughs> I'm in the sound lab as I'm recording this new segment where I can talk about pretty much anything, which I'm really excited about. And I can get on some topics that are not normally productivity, techie, geeky, which I do like. But oh my goodness, there's this open window in the sound lab and this girl comes walking and I thought she was going to ask me something. I've been in here where I've had people knock and it just totally ruins my flow. Ugh, I don't like getting interrupted. <laughs> can you tell? But anyway, um, I oh, anyway, I got to get past this. 
it's so funny. This happened and I'm talking about falling and getting back up and recovering. And I guess I'm not doing that good of a job at it right now. <laughs> you hear my frustration. But anyway, I want to talk about this dinner experience I had recently with a friend of mine. And we both love Asian food, all kinds of Asian food. She's particular to Thai. I love Thai and Korean. I'm half Korean. So of course I love Korean food. Japanese, Chinese. I haven't tried Singaporean or Cambodian or any other Asian food. Oh, I love Indian food too. Oh my goodness. The flavors. And just for me, Asian food is complex. It's flavorful. There's awesome textures. And oh, I just love the presentation. And oh, I just love it. But anyway, so I used to watch a bunch of cooking shows back when I wasn't dancing many years ago. And I loved the pretty food. I call it pretty food and just the way that it was plated and the different plates they used. And I love all that kind of stuff. And and just the thought and the care that goes into the whole cooking and presentation process. And I always thought it'd be fun to go to cooking school just for quote unquote fun. I've talked to different chefs and different people that have gone through cooking school and they're like, it is not fun. <laughs> it is, it is, there's this impression that it's easy. You just go in there and fry up a couple things. And I, I, I'm not under the impression that it's easy, but because I love the whole process and the way it looks based on the shows and stuff, how it looks and, and it looks fun to me, but I know that there's work involved. So I just thought I'd share this, that, um, I love Asian food <laughs> and that I get distracted and I don't like to get interrupted. So anyway, so you heard an example of getting distracted, falling and getting back on track, sort of. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this section and I look forward to sharing more in future sessions. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Two recent conversations got me thinking about the things that I want to share with you on this week's session. And I want to share these in hopes of encouraging you that despite setbacks, there is survival and there is success, whatever that means for you, and that there's always a positive outcome in everything that you experience and lessons learned for sure. One conversation I had was in a dance class that didn't happen. <laughs> I say that because we, this guy, this teenager, he's 15, he and I were waiting for the teacher and 15 minutes into the class, someone from the front desk comes up and says, well, he's on his way back from New York <laughs> and we just found out. So alas, no substitute, no teacher. And so we were able to use the studio for the remainder of the hour just to do our own thing, which was great. So we were both doing our own thing. I was stretching and listening to some music that uh, one of my dance trainers was having me review. And then this young man started asking me questions like, what do you do? And how long have you been dancing? And what kind of classes do you take? And and so I told him a little bit about my story about stopping dance for such a long time and getting back into it. And and then also I felt very blessed to tell him that I do a podcast and that I'm a marketing consultant and that I work my own hours and that kind of thing. And at one point I was not proud of what I did years ago. I was very unhappy with talking about my job and the jobs that I did and so it was very gratifying for me, not because of the fact that I do those things, but the fact that I felt blessed 
that I had a choice. And so we talked a little bit about that. And I thought it was interesting um, when he was saying, I, you know, I asked him if he wanted to dance professionally and he said he's just doing it for fun and training for fun, which I think is great because of course, you know me, I'm a big dance fan, regardless of what you do with it. And so he talked about his mom. He said, well, I thought I wanted to be a doctor until I saw what my mom went through and his mom is a nurse. And he said, I see the kind of work she does and she's stressed. She's not even a doctor and she's totally stressed out and unhappy. And I thought, yeah, I know what that feels like. <laughs> I didn't go much into it, but I thought, mm-hmm, yes, we all know what it feels like to be stressed and unhappy, especially if you're doing something that you feel that you're not called to do or it's something you don't like to do. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. The second conversation I had was that I was catching up with a friend at dinner. We haven't we hadn't talked in a while. And so she was telling me about some positive experiences that she had. And then we got to talking about her mom who had passed away a couple years ago. And just even now, it's still kind of hard dealing with that. And, and so that got us talking about triggers. And we talked about how different things can just totally catch you off guard and remind you of not so pleasant experiences from your past. And so the first thing is, let me go back a little bit. We talked about how important it was to do things that feed your soul and make you happy. And, and she's on this personal development journey. And so people even close to her don't necessarily understand or might not even approve of that. And I was hoping to reassure her that she needs to do what makes her alive and what feeds her soul and makes her happy. And regardless of what other people think about it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't make them a bad person if they don't understand. Maybe they just they just don't understand. They're ignorant. But that doesn't make them a bad person either. It's just that she doesn't need to base what she does on the opinion of others. And so I hope that I was encouraging in that way. And then secondly, with the triggers, I was empathizing with her because I lost my dad back in 1999. And there were times a couple of years ago where things would just trigger immediately. And when you lose someone, it is, it is regardless of how, or how old they were, or whatever. It is a process that I'm not going to get totally into. And I want to share with you what I learned about when I lost my dad, and then two other areas that I that I hope that you can get encouraged by. Well, when I lost my dad, I was working a job. And so I still remember the day when uh, the news came, and I had to ask my boss, I need about at least 12 days off. And he, his, I mean, it, he wasn't even empathetic. It was like, 12 days. You know, I remember it was, I was, I actually had flown to Hawaii where he was in the hospital and uh, I had called and over the phone, I just remember his, I still remember his reaction. And, you know, he runs a business. So I totally get that. I, I didn't at the time, you know, he, his priority is to run his business and to continue running his business. Um, my dad's background, the cultural custom is to have this long, quote unquote, grieving process. And so they have all these things that they do that that's longer than the normal couple days or whatever that they have a memorial and that kind of thing. And so I could not go to my dad's funeral because of my job. And that's pretty pathetic. I thought that was pretty pathetic. And so there were other other factors surrounding it, but I just... I knew then I thought, oh, I just, I knew before then, I really hate 
having my time controlled. And because of that, and because of the association I was around at that time, I felt like I didn't have time to grieve properly because I was more concerned with the approval of my peer circle at the time who believed that you don't acknowledge struggles and that you're always positive regardless of how things look. Now, let me tell you this. It is good to be positive. (laughs) It is good to be looking always on the positive side. There's always something, but feelings are real and they're valid. And especially with a death, there is things that you have to process and get through. Now, I don't mean to stay in there either. And that's what I want to share that I learned. The success from this is that I learned that feelings are valid and God gave us things to feel for a reason. And there is a time for everything and you can move on. So I'm thankful for the lessons I've learned. Regrets, of course, I have them. I I do regret that I wasn't able to attend my dad's funeral and that our relationship was not maybe the most ideal. But I'm so thankful for the lessons I've learned. So I I hope that I can encourage you that if you're feeling something that it is valid, but you don't have to stay in it and you don't have to wallow in it. And I know I've talked about this before and that you can pick yourself back up and move on. But the fact that you're feeling those feelings and that you might be going through a not so good time, that's not bad. These two conversations got me thinking about why people choose to do what they do and What really makes them make the decisions that they make in terms of careers and occupations and businesses and stuff like that? And for the longest time, I always thought that once something happened, then I would be happy. For example, when I became a stay-at-home mom, then I would be happy and things would be fantastic. And yes, they are. They're awesome. And it's a blessing to be a mom and be able to spend time with my son. But it's not all roses. (laughs) Uh, At the time, there was a time when my friends, my sphere of influence, were all stay-at-home moms and they ran their businesses from home. And I was the only one working and I did not have a child. And so I had my impressions that, oh, well, yeah, of course it's easy for you because you get to stay home and make your schedule. And how hard is it really to work at home with your kids? <laughs> and I'm laughing now because, you know, I'm in that situation now and it's a juggling act. So you have to find what makes you work, what makes it work. And I share that because for the longest time, too, I ignored what made me feel alive inside. And the sphere of influence I was around was more concerned about choosing things that made the most money as opposed to things that fulfilled you from the inside and helped other people. And so I was always trying to fit into what other people thought was considered success. And so I really became emotionally drained by trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to impress people that really, you know, they really didn't care except for their own agenda. And I just, I learned so much from that time. The valuable thing that I've learned from all of this is that I know that I can validate and help other people without forcing them to compromise who they are in order to meet my agenda. And I think that is huge. When I was having dinner with my friend and we were talking about her positive experiences and then also talking about unexpected triggers that bring memories of our parents that had passed, 
it got me thinking about triggers that I've had to deal with recently. And I hope that in sharing these, I can encourage you that it's okay to take a step back and you don't always have to be doing the things that the quote unquote experts say that you have to do. Different things work for different people. And sometimes you just have to take a step back and reassess what it is. First of all, why you're trying to do what you're doing. Secondly, what is going to best serve you and best serve the people that you are called to help. So hopefully that makes sense as I'm explaining this. So the third thing that I've had to deal with is social media. Now, I love social media in terms of the opportunities it provides in connecting with people that you normally wouldn't have access to, learning from different people and building community and learning about resources. There's just so much to learn and it's such a fast medium of communication. Now, in saying that, what I've had to deal with is, first of all, I've had to cut down on some of the podcasts that I listen to. Now, I, I don't have to cut down on them. I've chosen to because of this. I've had a hard time listening to even people that have big audiences and that are well-known and, and very well-liked. I've stopped listening to them because when they are interviewing a person, and maybe this is a, a podcasting strategy, I don't know. I've, I only started podcasting at the end of January 2015, so I'm in no way a seasoned podcaster compared to some of these people that have been podcasting for a long time. However... When they have a guest on their show, they are constantly interrupting the guest and they don't allow their guest to complete their train of thought. I find that disrespectful and maybe it's just a personality thing. Maybe people, I don't know, I've talked to one of my friends and he said, well, it doesn't bother me. So maybe it's just me. (laughs) So for me, I just feel like I want to be honoring to the other person, whether it's just a friends conversation or I'm doing an interview with a podcast guest, I feel that everyone has something important to say. And I think that they should have full capacity to express. And so I really try my best not to interrupt. Now, just because I don't listen to certain people on a podcast doesn't mean that I don't learn from them in other mediums. So if they have a blog or a training product or a video or something else, I get a lot of value from that. So I think it's great that there are different mediums to communicate, whether it's a podcast or a blog or video series or whatever. And so I'm so thankful for that because these people have lots of value to give. Just for me on a podcast, I just can't digest that that way. And so I think it's great to have all these different options to learn from people. So that's definitely a positive. I've also had to unfollow people on social media because of the trigger of what it makes me feel like inside when I see their posts. Now, it's one thing when I've, I've had to unfollow people who are constantly negative or are always complaining. Now, on the flip side, I've also unfollowed people as great as they are, as much value as they give, how their posts are beautiful and just quote unquote perfect. I've had to unfollow them as well because that trigger of perfection makes me feel less than worthy. And I know that's wrong. So I want to 
tell you that that's my own thing that I'm dealing with. And so it is a trigger right now that when I see certain things from certain people, and even if it's not bad, and most of it isn't bad, it makes me feel like I'm not measuring up. And comparison, whether it's self-imposed or by others, is destructive. And so for me at this point, I have had to just unfollow. So no, I don't even see that. And I don't even entertain the thought that my self-worth is dependent on what someone else has or doesn't have. I would love to get your feedback on any of these areas that I shared, whether it's having to validate your feelings about a situation or a career path that you've taken that you've learned so much from, or even triggers. I would love to get your feedback on what you think about triggers and how you can control them if you can control them. I would love to hear about them. And you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash zero two eight where you can also find the show notes to this session. I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating and review. That way I can continue to improve the podcast and also get the word out to help other people. In the meantime, thank you again for joining me. And I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.